0: Welcome back to Like Dragon Like Sun I'm Jay
1: Outway I'm Jack Outway And we are here today to scare you that's right. Mwah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, this is our very scary uh, not Halloween time at all uh, okay. episode. You know what? It doesn't have to be Halloween to get a little spook on. No. Um, and actually, I don't know how scary we're really going to be uh, today, but we would actually sort of like to help all of you out there who are, you know, thinking, hey, I'd like to run a, a horror campaign or inject a little bit more sort of spooky horrorness into my campaign. Mm. How how do I do that? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually hard, right? Mm. Like uh, I run a curse of Stroud every week uh, over the internet, which makes it extra hard to get convey the spookiness. But um, but we try. Yeah, and there's a few techniques uh that I've borrowed stolen along the way <laughs> you ran a sort of cthulhu one kind of recently yeah. uh,
0: sort of one shot well we were I mean well, for now it's only been that but it might we just be haven't more.
1: been able to meet up at all um, so yeah so we're going to talk a little bit about um, about how to how to do the scary stuff hmm. uh, what, what, what scares you?
0: You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sitting down here recording takes a lot of willpower. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> shaking in my
1: boots. The idea of having to record a podcast each week with with me, a dragon is, with it is yeah <sighs> terrifying. I'm sure. Uh, Any moment, I think actually, with the, the, the to scariest flames. thing here is, is sometimes is not knowing what we're doing. Yeah, the fear of the unknown. Are you going to read us some H.P. Lovecraft quote? Hey, you see it, my segue there. What I did. I love that. It All great. right. Um, so this this is, is an H.P. Lovecraft uh, quote that I have sort of sort of at the on a sticky note, sort of at the top of my uh, my game uh, when I play Curse of Strahd. The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown trying to remember that especially when you're playing with experienced players of how do you how do you keep them off balance how do you keep the pcs in a place where the characters will seem afraid not just because the players are playing them that way but but because the players themselves feel a little out of their like a little unsure of what the heck is going on here what are we up against where is this stuff come from Mm. Um, and of course, you know, when you're trying to scare them week after week after week, it's, it gets harder. You can you get know? a little scooby doo you know. <laughs> it does sometimes. Um.
0: But we want to get, stay away from getting Scooby-Doo-ish. Yeah. So too much. Although we can have How a do you do help, that, but, right? Yeah. Um. We've compiled some tips. Maybe yeah. just
1: things that we've experienced and, when and we try and these, run more. Yeah, some of these are, you know, these are things that are from around, uh, Curse of Strahd and from around uh, the Cthulhu books and there's other, you know, there's lots of resources out there. Um, these are some of our sort of favorites anyways, but looking at the unknown, um, there's a couple of tips I love. The idea of, you know, when the whenever the characters seem to have everything under control, do something that kind of, you know, that isn't too over the top, like don't just like attack, like don't just randomly do damage to them, but do something that, removes one of their senses a little bit, you, you know, plunging them into darkness. If you can, I mean, a lot of characters have got complete the, silence, I've got night vision, um, I, where I've used in, you use the fog and mists a lot, have mm-hmm. things close in around them so that their range of sight is very limited. I like for like a spooky mage or like
0: magic wielder to just like suddenly everything's silence, sure. you know,
1: and all like the players can hear is their own heartbeat. Yeah. I like the idea of, of when they can't quite see what something is, but you can describe what they can hear, right? They hear the approach of it. They hear the sounds of things that it makes, or they can hear it moving sort of from one side of the fields or to the other, or through, moving through the, the distance, the sound of branches breaking, or um, or having it, if there's multiple things, things are all around them, feeling they're being, you know, things are closing in on them from all sides. And a lot of the stuff actually is great if you start almost theater in the mind. If you roll out a battle map too soon on this very quickly, the players have a sense of once again, okay, I'm in control. I see the map. I see where things are. I have a plan. I know what I want to do. So sometimes it's good to try and wait as long as you can, like, you know, draw it out a little bit more before simply saying, okay, here's the map roll for initiative. Give them a chance to feel the scene. Uh, I, my, my players are in the swamp right now. We're spending a lot of time talking about mud, cold mud, deep waters, uh, you know, the snakes, the the toads, the uh, all this sort of sucking sound, the way the mud pulls at them and the biting flies. And there's so many things that are sort of adding to the to the mm. atmosphere of it um as they sort of journey through the swamp uh I, i'm making a big deal out of it because it's it's a unique environment in the story i don't want it to be sort of glossed over yeah and i want to use it as sort of a main element to sort of add flavor yeah i to, mean to setting the, being
0: a huge part of the horror i mean Icewind Dale. if you're up north sure. cold is a hugely scary sort of thing yeah um, if you're I mean, in the tropics, the crazy noises and lush foliage and dripping things and, like you said, biting flies and swampy waters
1: can be super spooky. Just the sounds of the jungle that you wouldn't normally mm. know. What is that? Is that a bird? Is that a monkey? What is that sound? Or the the trickery of minds and the extreme
0: hot and cold of the desert, you know, and mirages and things. Yeah. And, and these are really and important
1: nothing. important tips, I think, as a DM. I think is see, how sand. do you use your setting as as a really important part of the story. And I think even if you're playing sort of just high fantasy, it doesn't have horror in it. Like still bringing, bringing that, that, the elements of the environment into your storytelling um, makes for a much more compelling, interesting game as a player. Uh, I like as a player, the feeling of immersion and to get that feeling of immersion, it really helps with the DM uh, helps put me in uh, the mindset of where am I as a player? What is going on? Um, giving me the environment to sort of, you know, role play off of. And so I think that's what you're trying to do here as a DM. You're not always just going to have to say, okay, I have to, to truly scare my player. I have to give my player an opportunity so that his character, his or her character, can um, can feel scared, a, you know create a spooky environment uh that's and like i said it's, it's almost more the unknown as well what can i do in the environment that's that's weird or strange right yeah
0: exactly i mean we have a, a list of details i think that's one of the big ones though is using setting because not you know you're not always going to be attacked by a monster you know
1: yeah, well the monsters are coming Right, it's true. But that's the idea: is that they're coming. But you're not always being attacked. Is my it's, point, right? It's they're yeah. not always a threat. You know? Well, this is, and that's the best part. Is sometimes Need is threat, at at how long you can make players think you're about to attack them, and then not, <laughs> just sort of have them on edge uh, a little bit. Um, mm. And that, yeah, there's these. There are these sort of like we call primal fears, um, like fear of the dark, fear of fire drowning, predators, disease, parasites, isolation, starvation. We have this little list. Um, and generally, like, sort of anything that kind of rattles the the brain's subconscious capacity for pattern recognition, right? Something, something that just yeah. doesn't fit uh, in a setting. And that's the other thing. Like, you can – if you're describing this cold, icky, miserable swamp, and then there's suddenly – a beautiful flower growing there in the middle of it. Um, you know, a bright patch of color amongst the gray mud. I mean that right there, every player is like freaked out. They're like what uh, that thing that's a, that's a trap for sure and and just things like that that could just be nothing, but you throw little details and stuff in and it will it will get them. Uh, mm. sort of off off balance and so while they're looking at the flower that's when the you know they don't notice the scarecrows have just got moved a lot closer to them yeah so but then they associate the flower with danger even more <laughs> it's a thing <laughs> well the flower turns out to be part of a corpse um, right what do they call it corpse plant corpse flower yeah corpse flower is a corpse yeah. flower corpse flower uh, which are stinky miserable terrible things uh, I nerfed one and put it into my most one recent one of my game. favorite monsters honestly very cool um, thing fun time. is it undead or is it plant it's a plant but it pulls oh. undead guts. it's one from a... of the best plants I think it like it rises up and it has like corpses that sort of wrapped into its roots and it can like pull a little zombie out and put it into play like everyone's kind of like seen treants
0: and like awakened shrubs and we're like okay you know twig blights maybe I think they're undead though aren't
1: they no, no so kind of I guess so. The Blights play a part in Curse of Strahd. Sort right, but of, my point but is, no plants, that corpse flowers, the plants. No one sees are corpse flowers undead. very often. They're like they're they're undead adjacent, but they're not. They're plants still. Yeah,
0: it's weird though. Then why isn't an undead beholder a aberration? Yeah, it's fast and loose with D and D. D and D's nomenclatures. little bit
1: all over the place
0: yeah but there is something about adding details to the way you're describing something which i feel is a, a huge part of the whole horror yeah i mean spooky idea
1: and that's just it like and this is this is where it helps if you if you are if you have the time to write a little bit more for each little space in your encounter Sometimes I think adding to, adding your own personal details. And I think, yeah, this this is, if you're not a writer per se, uh, as a DM, this might intimidate you a little bit. But you don't have to be like a huge wordsmith to make this work. But it's the... I don't know, it's like adding adding little extra stuff into a scene, like sitting there and trying to think and imagine, okay, so they've come into the, into a room in this like house and you're like, okay, well there's kind of creepy paintings on the wall. But then well, what is creepy about that painting? And I just stop for a little second and think, well, what's in the painting? And it honestly doesn't matter what you come up with, but the creepier, the better. And if it could be, I don't know, some strange image of a, you know, Perhaps. You think, okay, well, it would be a portrait of a woman. But what if she was like a portrait of a woman holding a rat by its tail or something uh, dangling in the air and the rat trying to turn back and you can see bite marks on her wrist or something. Like you do, I'm just winging this right now, but something like that, which may have absolutely nothing to do with the story, but it's those sorts of like extra creepy, like, what the hell is this? Sort of like, where are we? the paintings around this place are are messed up. It's that sort of stuff that, you know, that you can add in um, that, first of all, makes the story completely yours. And and you can then also, if you know your players, if you know the stuff that kind of freaks them out a little bit, it's the stuff that you can kind of poke at them. And okay, let me just put a caveat on this as well. Session zero, if you're going to do horror, you got to get everybody to buy in. You've got to make sure there's like a little checklist you're like is everybody okay doing body horror is everybody okay is anybody even getting any trigger points is anybody like if i talk about rats biting people is that going to like make somebody cry like is it going to trigger trauma trauma from their childhood hmm. if anybody's got some like deep trauma that they can't like Rat handle certain things, trauma they they need to tell the dm and everybody sort of early on you know so that there's a safe space um and we don't go there space um I had to do that with with my players at the beginning of this one because I know some of them uh I thought some of them might be worried about uh the amount of inkers of Strahd, there's a fair bit of like children being killed sort of things kind of going on and I'm like is everybody okay with seeing kids die um because that, that freaks a lot of people out. A lot of people, that's like, uh, it's too far. It's like, that's a no-no. Like, I don't want to go there sort of thing. Um, but it comes up uh, kind of often or potentially could be part of the story in Strahd. Uh, and uh, and for us, has been a recurring theme. The There's a lot of spooky kid stuff going on. Uh, and so, yeah, you just got to make sure that your players are cool with, with a bit of that. And then, yeah, you just work in just work in weird details. Um, there's, in Curse of Strive, there's these little dolls called Blinsky dolls. And I just have them, I just, I, I sprinkle them in all over the place. Um, places where they're not even normally in the story, I add them in. And I often add them in so that the details of the dolls end up looking very much like the, the, the PCs, the characters. Uh, and just doing kind of creepy, weird things like that. Like, Sometimes it's just like, I don't know, trying to find ways that. Yeah, but you can't be too random with it either. No, it's not. Absolutely. You're right. Like, this isn't just about being random. Um, You're absolutely right. Like, you should have a focus for all your, like, whenever you're running horror. Um, You have to have like, I actually have a focus statement. Oh. Um It reads like this it says every scene every character every detail leads towards escaping the mists the secret knowledge that allows us to return to our lives and perhaps free the people of barovia from strahd but each encounter hints at the unseen monster not strahd nor the dark powers of the shadowfell it is the monster we all carry the dread domain inside us all. The fear of losing our humanity, of reliving our mistakes again and again as we watch ourselves become the shelves, the shelves of our former selves. The shelves of our former selves. Without hope, without ever achieving our dreams, with only the sadness of failure repeating again and again. So my details tend to, to play back into that so you see the, character, the, the NPCs caught in these problems. You see the monsters themselves caught up in these this sort of loops. Um, these sort of things that are just sort of perpetually going on. And in some ways, this kind of my I offer the, the players a chance to escape horror in the fact that they, as, as heroes, I think in like true horror, they can never you can never really overcome the horror. You can only kind of maybe run from it. Or delay it somehow, but in this, I do let them often break these cycles. But sometimes it doesn't work. Um, as often as I can, I try to sort of have it sort of like when they think they're doing good, they end up just becoming, you know, more part of the the problem, uh, huh. and or that they, you know, they succeed, but it's too little too late um, to make any real difference. And those sorts of things I think keep the, keep the mood sort of dark. Uh, but you don't want to make it so dark that it's you, not fun it's, you know? your players are depressed. They do have a lot of chances to be heroes. Um, and sometimes moments that I th- thought were going to be like like a spooky like jump scare sort of fight like we had this one planned on their way to the swamp that just turned into like a comical like the the little encounter on the road which they were way, it wasn't like, they were way overpowered for the, the creatures that were going to jump them. It was planned, this was planned in case they ended up heading this way when they were much lower level. And I hadn't scaled it up, I just sort of kept it, at it as is. And, and so the fight goes very lopsidedly in their favor. And so much so that they, being the heroes, decide they're not going to kill the monsters. They decide to talk. Uh, which look at our recent episode, parlaying with monsters. Um, so yeah, my, my players talk their way out of it and actually you end up using, using the opportunity to score uh, insights and information about the swamp ahead and what to expect and what's in it. And, uh, and that again, that actually helps them because they are, they are afraid of the unknown. They dislike not knowing what they're going into so then yeah so i use that opportunity then to foreshadow that's another big uh thing is it's it's not so much you can't tell people what's coming in fact you should be telling your players what's coming just not all of it just the spooky shadowy outline um and the shadows of the you know the monsters to come like any shadow often is projected bigger and scarier than the actual thing yeah um you know making making the boogeyman uh into into something f- like super ter- terrifying well i think that's also a part of
0: you know your setting you know and in trying to get the lighting or the darkness or the, again those sensory removal factors
1: yeah well that's a fun thing to do for to sure it makes
0: that with a scary monster you know and making the enemy not just some friendly little ghost you know but a a scary, malign creature of some kind that's really, you know, a proper, you know, threat to the players or some greater
1: yeah. thing. Yeah, well, that's it. I think even, I did that with the, the ones they encountered on the road as well, is that, that even once, you know, hostilities die down, there's always this sort of sense that the monsters, whoever you're, or even the NPCs, everybody that they're interacting with, that there's a potential for betrayal, that there's always a little bit something a bit odd about the way that people leave them. That Shifty. There's, there's only a few that they feel like okay they're on we're on the same side as them, and in fact in those cases those are the ones I want to portray them with the most. <laughs> you know I want to sort of I sort of
0: almost feel like that's I feel like you can't break your <laughs> the trust too many times. We
1: well, can be careful, obviously. Yeah, there's you won't there's trust always so Well, that's just that's just it. I mean. As the campaign gets, you know, grows to, to sort of its climax, maybe I want them there. Maybe that's where I want to get the players to is a point where they can't trust anyone. they don't even trust each other. That would be, (laughs) that would be awesome. Um, I don't think I can do that though. I think that I think they're too, I think they're too heroic. Uh, frankly, they're just too, they're too good at what they're doing. They've become quite a, a well-tuned little unit. Um, and none of them are perfect. They all play very like they all play the kind of flawed characters. But it's great in the fact that they all trust their, each other's flaws to be consistent. Um, they know the assassin is just going to do assassiny things, mm. and uh, and they always count on it. They're just like you know they. If 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 one time you said no, I'm not going to kill them. They, that that point, they'd be like, okay, he's been replaced. <laughs> he's a doppelganger. Um, so yeah they yeah they trust the monsters within
0: themselves but I think there's something then to trusting monsters like you think oh especially like more experienced players like oh I know what this stat block is I'm not scared of it and then to divert that is to add something strange to the stat block or change something, you know, or yeah. add hit points or change yeah. just meta things or actions they can do and suddenly they're like what? I don't know what this is anymore. Run,
1: yeah. run. Absolutely. And I and you know Circus so Stroud does that out of the box with its Stroud zombies. Um making them, you know, a bit different. And I think you know, just keep going with that if you've got time to prep it. Just, you know, add some extra features. Um, I've actually grown over the last year to sort of feel like I'm okay adding a legendary action to almost any creature. I mean, don't overpower it too much, but give it something, especially if you're playing a horse setting, something it can do outside of its turn that that kind of freaks out the players a little bit. Maybe it can move. Maybe it can uh, do something that blinds a character or, you know, so it, and anything that sort of plays against, you know, the idea of fear of darkness, fire, drowning, you know, diseases, parasites. I mean, is this thing infested with something like, is it a, not just an owl bear, but an owl bear with disease? You know what I mean? Is like, mm-hmm. a, like a different thing. And if it bites you, do you get the disease as well? Um, yeah, it had had things like that into it and... Yeah, and suddenly we don't know that. We don't know that monster anymore, and because I don't know it, I'm more scared of it. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I mean, I mean, even sitting at a table being like, oh, I know, a Beholder. I'll just do this and this and this. Or oh, i got to stay it's icon. Oh. i got to do that, you know, and yeah, you But change. then you realize its oh. icon moves on its own or, you know. Well, there's, a, there's
1: alternative Beholder stats you can use. Or that. the eyeballs detach and float around the room. yeah Uh, you freak people out with with variations um oh there's
0: new rays some stuff like that you know things like that to try and change it up a little bit especially if you have players who really know the monster as well or if you've always had an idea like oh these zombies don't quite feel like zombies i want them to be you know like it's in narratives they're always like contagious and you know growing in numbers and you know I want them to be able to run and do this and do that you know so you can replace some of their shambly just bite you don't do anything else traits you know to yeah bite marks could be a bad thing kind of like werewolfism stuff you know sure I often
1: found I found so so in the game like whenever I've got an NPC or a monster that that I go the extra distance to describe how creepy and gross it is Mm. um or how you know vicious or or mean uh or kind of evil it's sort of plans are uh that you know that stuff that stuff really changes the uh the way the players interact i've even got like there's a couple of like uh npcs that could provide like healing or even raise dead uh Services for the party should things get nasty um, but I've described those those NPCs as such creepy <laughs> characters that the players don't want to go back to them anymore <laughs> um, and yeah even the the simple beginnings of describing a vampire spawn or a uh, undead a, a zombie or things you're describing its flesh coming off or the maggots crawling out of it you get into start we're getting into like details of like how the cheek you know the skin falls off its cheek and you know you see you know the rotting missing teeth and the more you detail it out like that the more you know that they stop thinking oh I'm fighting a stat block and I'm fighting this creepy thing or and I'm you know I'm not interacting with a hag I'm interacting with this really creepy creature who you know collects fingernails and I don't not gonna mm. give up my fingernails to this thing like it's grossing me out um, and I think that sort of stuff is it's a type of horror it's the it's that some of it's the gross you out type type horror mm. um, and that's different from the I can't see it horror this is the I can definitely see it I, and I, I, I don't, don't want to be seeing it I anymore. don't want I don't like I want to unsee it get me away. So that sort of stuff, I think, is...
0: Potent, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, to have those sorts of type of details and stuff uh, in there as well. Mm. Uh, you know, and the books also talk about when you talk about setting, uh, the personification of... Your of, surroundings, yeah, yeah. every sort of everyday items in it. Um, like you
0: were talking to me about the example of trees, you know, and trying to depict them as like, you know tall and giant figures you
1: know which are all twisted Uh, yeah when I also like I like the um, the older sort of like reminds me of like Walt Disney cartoons sort of almost where you see in the dark the tree branches look like long dark arms with fingers that almost seem to be beckoning them with curling their fingers in that come hither (laughs) sort of way come into the darkness Um, and that again, back to this sort of like feeling that every scene is sort of trying to pull them into the darkness, like that it's trying to, to trap them here and that they are, you know, always fighting to try to escape that everything they're doing is part of a, of a plan to get out of here. Um, yeah that's uh yeah i you know dark trees are scary i've got some other ones that i like to use uh as well like the um mm-hmm. as i got a little list here all right so things like uh torches that torches always sputter nervously <laughs> um I had uh, I have the hinges of a, a confidently sputtering torch, the hinges of a gate. You know, um, scream like scared little girls, and uh, just I don't know things like that that I can throw in to to add it. You know, stairs groan under the weight of their feet, even in like nice houses. Mm. They're walking. They're trying to explore manners uh, in you know the town of Alacky. And as they're trying to sneak around the house, like the house itself just is kind of groaning. Um, winds wail, mud grasps, uh, you know every mundane thing sort of has a creepier vibe when you give it human traits. Uh, you know, the te- moon watches sure tears of rust drip down you know the wrought iron gates, like stuff like that that just yeah. You know, always towards this idea of there's a sort of a sadness there's a trapped and a hopeless sort of vibe that even the the material things of the world are and whenever I can everything is broken like Barovia is much in need of repairmen (laughs) it is very dilapidated Um, and whenever like there's an area where they were almost about to find something good it feels like Strahd has just gotten there before them and destroyed it in spite somehow. Uh, or maybe it's mm. not Strahd. Maybe there's something else going on. But um, they get this vibe that, you know, they're up against forces that are willing to... to Sabotage. Whew. Well, yeah, to crush the nice things that are... What nice things might remain. Mm. Um and I think there's a there's some there's a really sad sort ofness about horror that way as well, that you know the loss of of
0: hope. Yeah, I mean, in my setting, I try to like make it feel like a little less magical, um, a little bit more mundane, you know, or like they're at their home city or wherever, you know, or like, the town you've grown up with for so long, and suddenly it all goes terribly wrong, and that mm-hmm. the day that the dark forces turn their eyes on you you know and suddenly it's like what Ah!" you know everything goes wrong or um spooky things just start happening you know that are in contrast with everything else so like shocking you know or or like "Ah, make it stop you know uh especially like once you like try and establish like oh okay we're safe no you're not safe you know and undercut it immediately um is what i try to do sometimes Sometimes I do try to put them into different like settings they're not comfortable with though because I think that's another way to do it is to like put them in a strange place they've never been you know exploring ice mines of a you know cult that was like you know hoisted out by some other elder being you know that didn't want them there
1: yeah when you start getting into the elder beings and Cthulhu things you've always have this sort of sense of like oh my God there's like some sort of really enormous like far realm type power, uh, gods of a very different ilk that are just sort of just out of the corner of my eye. They're just beyond my periphery. Um, but they're there and, and yeah, we, we are, we are seriously doomed if they show up. Mm. Yeah.
0: And that they could by accident, you know, just destroy everything, you know, and that they are evil and hating malign creatures of, of some nature. You know, it's just chance that we haven't all been destroyed by them
1: or that they continue yeah, to sleep. and that's sort of like, is it very those are very different, like, spooky elements than, say, if you're like, okay, we're up against, you know, demons. I think demons can be in a similar fashion, though, depending yeah, on how you write them. I know, but the demons and devils sort of storylines tend to be, like... You know, people are bringing demons back and they're always yeah. bad news and um, but you know, they rifts got, opening they kind up of, exactly they got their own war blood war going on they got these things happening you know we're maybe just caught up in the sidelines of it but you don't have this like overwhelming sense like oh yeah like Asmodeus is coming to destroy the prime material plane well the great old ones aren't necessarily
0: coming to destroy anything they no just, they just happen to like steamroll through you and you're just dead yeah and by the way they totally want to you know just cause they they love it you know but killing things and making things die and the yeah. chaos and there's
1: a sort of a I always feel like with the, the Lovecraftian stuff there's a scope that the horror is is so big that if you ever get the true full blast of it just even knowing it would be like too much for your head yeah that you're you're really done for that yeah the tiny little taste like the residue of it that remains that you encounter is already like pretty spooky stuff Um and what makes it worse is knowing that somewhere out there there's there's bigger badder worser versions of all of this mm. my favorite thing is like making players feel like
0: there's like the enemy still there and I remember this one thing it's like yeah you see these little cocoons of and they're like of like weird black tangly inky webs you know and they're like what you know and so they go investigate it and they see like a little like they see a person wrapped up in and they're like nope <laughs> set it on fire you know in a in un- deep underground ice cavern where now the whole thing's filling up with smoke but yeah I- just they were like like I all the other things I described they're like ooh that's creepy let's keep going you know but it's that it's like set it on fire kill it kill it no yeah, the idea that the oh, like, guys like had like oh their stomachs are open and you see like you feel like oh with
1: their like roll they made it's like something's crawling out and there's like two other ones and like kill it kill it don't let it hatch. Uh, you know, there's other ways. Like, there's other hatchy things, slods and slot eggs, yeah. and uh, there's a lovely that sort of reminds me of like um, that's a different that, type of horror alien type yeah cosmic so yeah the, a lot of the crafty stuff does get into that cosmic horror sort of realm well the cosmic horror is more of a sort of existential maybe oh your, my god what you am know. I thinking of it's like I'm thinking like, it's like sci-fi humor really like know, it's the sci-fi it's aliens. aliens exactly it's just that idea of that thing laying eggs in you and it hatches uh, but isn't, aren't the fish people Cthulhu, what the... The Dagon, the Innsmouth stuff? Yeah, the Innsmouth stuff. I don't think they stuff. lay eggs in people, but I do think uh, it's like of, a heritage thing. Oh, is it? I wasn't sure, but it's sort of like, I get this vibe from love, like something I'm thinking about that. Anyways, it, yes, laying eggs in somebody is a horror theme. And we're seeing people who have been tied up and harvested somehow putting that sort it's of even bit like into It's like fungal it. type things, well, um, especially in nature when you see like, yeah, this fungus or parasite, sure. you know, it's so creepy. And then the, the the rescuing somebody, cutting them down, they're like, yeah, I'm okay now, I'm okay. And then, you know, you've got this thing inside your party basically wandering around with you. And yeah, maybe it explodes. Maybe the eggs of it. Maybe or it takes maybe, them over. Or yeah. maybe it's already taking them over as just pretending to be them. Imposter um, Among Us style. Yeah. And... <laughs> And I think that Among Us idea is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a wonderful series, uh, Dark Dice, uh, if, if you like podcasts. There's a, they do a horror D&D run, which has got a lot of that, you know, who do we trust in our midst sort of thing. And it's it's got players who switch sides and work with DM and does all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah that's that's scary that's spooky scary stuff yeah um and then what harder to i think i think if you think you're gonna do the switch sides thing uh with a player that's uh that can be done with really amazing effects but i think it's a real end game sort of thing to do yeah i think maybe. if you do it like i think if you go do, do do it too
0: soon um yeah then because then what do you do from there you know you can't trust that player again because it's like you're just going to turn on us again you know and it's kind of hard to do right one of my favorite ways we like i've done it in the past is my friend sort of ran a quick game um that was like clearly too lethal um but he was like okay just pick a monster you want to play that kind of makes sense and then in the next encounter you can be that monster you know and it's like oh okay this is kind of cool, you know, and now that chaotic, unpredictable monster, even the DM can't predict and like the DM's running his own layer actions or things, but now I'm, like there's this outside force of some shambling mound that comes down, you know, that the player's controlling, especially it's a more complicated type monster. It's kind of, it's like a, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not done with, you know, or an NPC that suddenly the, the player can make or can take on that then becomes you know follows the party i think taking agency away is kind of like the uh you know sort of part of that usually but I, I thought it was so clever how he's like oh no just what what kind of monster do you want to be you know and the next thing he's just sort of like t- talks to me i'm like oh i'll do this you know and then we come back and it's like suddenly ah! you know playing a monster all of a sudden is like who side exactly are you on here
1: well that's just it and i i liken the idea in curse of straw that if you have got some strong players that if Strahd has decided to start visiting one of them Mm. and you can start working that in a little bit so that when they do finally get to the big fight, uh, that, that that player at that point does turn on the party and join. so the party, cause there's always a little question like, well, I don't get like Strahd's not so tough. Like his stat block, if you just look at it, he should be you should be able to defeat him but I think it, you're not playing him like that sort of monster he's not just you know some troll you found in a cave right that this guy has got spies everywhere like everybody you've been dealing with this far you don't know how many of them which of them are working for him and which don't he knows pretty much everything that's going on in the game mm-hmm. he knows everything that you've done everybody you visited he knows you know all of the strength and weaknesses of your character. He, you know, you can add any of the anything you want from along the way. That suddenly, that item that you thought the char- the characters thought was really great, suddenly now you realize that it's a tracking device of Strahd, some sort. Strahd or... Strahd put it there for them to find, yeah. and that you know you, these sorts of things that sort of come around that you're like, oh, you know, this guy is six moves ahead of us. In terms of where it is, you know, the idea of showing up and surprising him and just plunging a stake into his chest is, yeah, good luck with that. Well, that's what I did when we yeah, ran we that we, quick we played, battle. We, we play tested <laughs> the, you know, how fast can you kill Strahd. Uh, um, it's
0: pretty quickly if you got a, a nice build of any kind, really. You went level, you set we it went up for right. a
1: pretty high level build on that. Was and it?
0: I think it was like level 11, something like that, level th- 12, yeah, yeah. 13. With a, but with a pretty, like, well you gave me the sun sword and you gave me a wooden stake. Yeah, but I mean so you'd have those things
1: if you, by that point in the game anyways. Like the the players have had practically had lessons on how to kill vampires. Um like they and you know how to deal with ghosts and like they've become they've become monster hunters through the process of their adventures in it. That's what I'm saying. Like there's horror doesn't actually for my game anyways as much as I try to put the elements of it in there all the time. And it, uh, you're right. Sometimes it's Scooby-Doo and it's kind of funny, which is good because you need that element. But other times it's quite heroic. Like, you know, we look at the new cover art for the new, uh, you know, Domains of Dread, Ravenloft stuff that's coming out. Yeah. And it's got Esmeralda. Van Richten's, guide, it's got, yeah, Van Richten's to guide to Ravenloft. It's got Van Richten and Esmeralda uh, on the cover. You know, and everybody's like, ooh, you know, our favorite monster hunters. And I would like to think that my party, well, you know, having mm. met Esmeralda and stuff, um, my, my party are cooler monster hunters than her. I mean, she's <laughs> great. Don't get me wrong. But um, if you've been inside uh, Barovia long enough and you're still alive and you're, you know, cruising around, getting better and stronger at dealing with all the things, yeah, you've got some characters that have become real gothic horror monster uh, Hunter type Yeah, thing. and I've Monster got some real stares. smarts about how you deal with these things because they've, they've done it the wrong way. <laughs> and hmm. then they, they get a chance to do it again the right way and they've become better and better at it. So yeah, I think, I know for me, horror isn't always just about, as much as my my main thesis statement is the repetition of your mistakes. My party isn't always bound to that. Like they are... Not always making their same mistakes again and again, that they often do uh, at least when it comes to learning how to to navigate, but they do maybe they like I said maybe it's the mistakes they're making is how much they trust people along the way that that that's the other spooky thing you put in is that interpersonal the betrayal and stuff because that um yeah, that's that's I suppose another one of those great that human tears. Cuts fears. deeper almost, that, yeah. You know, that, betraying that, and you that, yeah, we're always lack of trust that those who we we need the most are going to abandon us, and mm. uh, and that I think really gets you. But, so I hope that helps everybody <laughs> out there who yeah. are looking at their gothic horrors and thinking, you know, how can we do this better? Um, Just some ideas. If any of this has been helpful for inspiration, or we're grateful. You yeah, each stuck uh, with us this long. Yep. So you know, stick with details, personification, yeah. uh,
0: personification primal fears, immersion, foreshadowing, mechanical diversions, uh,
1: using lighting and darkness and sensory factors to your advantage. And if you can play at an actual table, yeah. someday, yeah. who knows, maybe. Um, and even if you're playing online, I use creepy music, mm, and mm, you can music, go, on atmosphere. To go on to go YouTube or Spotify. There's already people who've built great Curse of Strahd soundtrack stuff. You can have, there's all sorts of horror soundtracks and things out there. Get your hands on those. Have those playing. Um, they definitely add a super creepy vibe to it. And you uh, you have a Curse of Strahd playlist as well? I, that's sort of more curated stuff. Uh, yeah, and I've got ones for different parts. Like there's the Fear in the Woods. if they're, I don't really have one for the Swamp. I've got one that's called Losing My Mind and Soul. It's my go-to if I just need uber creep.
0: Mm, um, I use Other one ones well. are sort of
1: ambient sometimes. Uh, yeah, I'd recommend you check it out. They're pretty good compilations. Yeah, I've got, uh, I got to have like a spooky, a spooky workshop one that was sort of when they were in different environments. And, mm. and I've got a great organ one. <laughs> when they get to the castle. Like, I've just been waiting for so long for them to get to Ravenloft, and it's just going to be like spooky organ music for like the entire time they're in the castle. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. That'd be too over to
0: kill. But, oh, my uh, favorite spooky song's just coming in now. It was like... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right, we'll say goodbye. All oh, right, Goodbye, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.